Mac Power Users, episode 664, Vibing with Tony Maselli. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? I am. I'm good. I feel like we're finally kind of coming off the the busyness of WBDC and excited to kind of be back in the normal flow of things a little bit. Yeah, it does feel good. I mean, of course, it was really fun and exciting going up there and all the news coming out of it. But it is also kind of nice kind of getting back into a regular rhythm. And uh, uh, I am definitely running betas. You're running betas. We're going to be talking about all this stuff more over the coming weeks. But uh, today we've got a we've got a special guest. Welcome to the show, Tony Maselli. Hey guys, I'm glad to be here and honored, and I've been a longtime fan. I think I go back to episode one. Wow, all the way to episode one. And you're still getting good stuff out of the show, right? Oh my God, yes. Oh, Excellent. totally. Dude, just Excellent. the workflows are amazing to hear what people do and how they do it, and that's always fascinating to me. And speaking of workflows, that's why Tony is here today. Tony and I have had an email relationship now going back about a year or so. Uh, he's a professional vibraphonist. And he's also a Mac nerd, and he's done some amazing stuff as a professional a musician. But he's also built an entire online school, and there's a bunch of technology involved with that. We've got like a lot to talk about with you today, Tony. I'm so happy you were able to come on the show. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Um, so I, I, I actually, before we get started, just a couple of announcements. I, 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 I got ahead of myself, Steve. I got excited. We got a musician on the show today. <laughs> um, I, I just want to thank everybody who came in with that early discount on the Shortcuts for Mac Field Guide. It was a, a successful launch, and it was a really hard product to make because of the trouble with shortcuts. But man, it felt good to have people come in and I'm already hearing from listeners that are, are getting better at shortcuts with it. And I really appreciate it. So just thank you, everybody. And um, today on More Power Users, we're going to be talking about life as a musician. Uh, you know, I chose not to do that at one point. Tony chose to do it. And um, it's kind of an interesting discussion. We got in a little bit in preparation for the show today about life as an artist and, and making that big decision. I think it's going to be a really great episode of More Power Users today. Okay, uh, Tony, I called you a vibraphonist. And I'm sure there's some people in the audience that have no idea what that is. Could you just give us like a 10-second explanation of what a vibraphone is? I love that instrument so much. Uh, Steven, you ever heard of vibraphonist live before? I okay, have, I'm back. Yeah, no that that was uh, that was amazing. It's such a beautiful instrument. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a beautiful instrument. It's really fun to play. It's not so hard and fun to pack up. 
but yeah, I, I just bet. I fell in love with it, and I have done it since. It was, yeah. Yes. So it's it's a mallet instrument. Um, it has a long history in in jazz. You know, mm-hmm. Lionel Hampton is the first one I can think of, but I'm sure there were people before him playing it. Um, but it's just a, a gorgeous instrument, and Tony is a first class jazz artist. He's got albums on Apple Music, and he tours, and just a remarkable musician. Um, but you're also a geek, and uh, that's uh, that's the qualification to get an interview. <laughs> you can't just be a good musician; you also got to be a geek, and and you definitely qualify, Tony, as we get into the show deeper. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are. Okay, um, on the tech side or the music side? Well, let's start with the music side. Okay, I I just grew up uh, playing music. I, I'm an introvert. So I was just always in my room with a guitar, and then I studied piano for a bunch of years, almost went to school for piano, but I was playing drums in rock bands, and we were out partying and and playing as, as a teenager, and I didn't want to go to college, so I told my parents I wasn't going to go, and my dad said, uh, yes, you are, and he found out about percussion and got me a percussion lesson. I played a marimba, and I just remembered, because uh, I growing up playing classical guitar i played the marimba and thought oh my god i just hit like a couple notes and at that moment for whatever crazy reason i fell in love with what i was doing and then it moved to the vibraphone i said okay i'll go to college i'll go for percussion and i went and just uh played the mallet instruments in fact i almost failed college um for my senior recital because all I did was play mallets. I didn't play the timpani. I hated the timpani. I know some people love it. And uh, I just played mallets, no snare drum, no nothing else. Didn't play drum set anymore. And graduated and thought, I just want to do this for the rest of my life, as crazy as it sounds. And that's what I've done. You know, it it is really remarkable. Occasionally you meet somebody who early in life stumbles into something and they're like, yep, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And for so many of us, that's not the case. A lot of us, you know, we waffle between things throughout our lives, but it it is really nice and refreshing to hear from somebody. It's like, yeah, I fell in love with this instrument. It it sounds to me like before high school, before you were out of high school and you still are in love with it. Yes. And, and I will say it's a really, really, really hard life, but I, I don't think if I had to do it over again, I think I'd, I'd make the same mess out of things that I've made just so I could keep uh, playing uh, this instrument. That has never changed. I have no idea why. You know, you see, like, why do you love this or why do you love that? And I just love playing this instrument. Yeah, and it really has to be. I, I, we're going to get into this in the after show, but I really do feel like to really make a go of it as a music, it, it has to be a thing where there is no plan B. It's like, yeah, this is it, and I'm going to make it work. Hmm. Yes, I always tell my students, the good thing about having a backup plan is you have a backup plan, and the bad thing about having a backup plan is you have a backup plan. So I had no backup <laughs> yeah. plan. Well, well, you've got, um, uh, just share for the audience some of the, I know you've got several uh, albums on Apple Music. I've been listening to them the last few days, by the way. Uh, tell us about some of the, the music you've got out there, uh, both in the traditional, you know, album formats and some of the YouTube stuff. Well, so there's a, there's a, uh, so with iTunes is I play in a band called TJP and it's the Joe's project. 
And what we decided to do, instead of doing jazz standards, we do all these rock tunes. This, the music I grew up with, most of what I do are playing jazz standards. And with that group, we play um, just rock tunes, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin. We have just all these wacky versions of stuff. And that's on there. Um, I did a, a solo CD, which I wanted to do my whole life. And I spent about four months recording you know, 50 takes of this tune, 50 takes of that tune in my basement with my technology, didn't have to go into a studio. And that's called Invitation. And that's on there. And, you know, I don't know what, I know there's some things I did with other people that are on there, but you never keep track of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think if you put my name in, some things will come up. Not a, not a ton of things, but but a bunch of things will come up. And that's on there. But, you know, you make a CD or you do something and you just, you move on. Oh, there's a CD with my uh, great friend, Diane Monroe, and it's Vibes and Violin. And I think that's on there as well. So that's a starter. And there's tons on YouTube because that's where I knew would make the most, would be the most important thing for me to do. Because CDs, first of all, nobody makes money off a CD. I mean, unless you're super famous no jazz musicians I know, even ones that have careers much better than mine, they don't make money off CDs. So you just make them to let people know that you're busy doing stuff, I think. But YouTube has kind of replaced that. So I have a ton of videos on uh, on YouTube, and I'm trying to get into the in, again into Instagram and even thinking about what to do on uh, like TikTok. But uh, that thinking about all that is draining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i do think that's part of the business now though like finding yeah. uh, ways to supplement your income via social media and i, I definitely wanted to get into that um but just for for the beginning at least i want to go back a little bit and talk about how you made a transition from a guy who plays the vibes to also a guy who plays the vibes and does a bunch of extra stuff related to the vibes and uh, and as I understand, nine eleven had a particular impact for you. Yeah, so nine eleven was huge. And I'll just you know start from the beginning. I just remember I lived in this funky house in Southwest Philly, and I mean it was funky, and we were poor. And I <laughs> talked my grandparents into giving me twenty five hundred dollars to buy a Mac five twelve K. So we were these poor. My wife was an actress. I was a musician. We were these poor people with two kids in this in in this house and and there I was you know with money and instead of like thinking hey you know what I'll I will I'll pay some bills I got a Mac 512k and that's that was it I was practicing all day and on the computer all night um but uh but 911 changed everything because before then musicians were working you know five six nights a week we were in clubs we were doing all kinds of stuff and we were always paid, you know, even in the clubs on a Monday night, we were paid for doing it. 9-11 hits, nobody's going out. And musicians, speaking of jazz musicians, but I'm sure it's lots of musicians, we wanted to play. So we would go to the clubs and say, look, okay, nobody's coming out. We'll just come in and play. We'll, we'll play for the door. And so all these things happened. And even my friends in New York were out playing uh, at the clubs in New York. And club owners thought, oh, Okay, well, they'll play for the door, so I don't have to play that, pay them a set fee for a weeknight, and so that kind of spiraled. Uh, that kind of sent everything in a downward spiral. And my dad said, "So what are you going to do?" And I and I said, 
I don't know, but I keep thinking about this build the bridge and they'll come. And I said, you know, I'm a pretty good vibe player. I would like to get into the technology thing and build a school for vibe players. And he said, well, how much do you need? And at the time I said, I just not even knowing, I said, I think I need $30,000. And he gave me $30,000. Wow. And I, yeah, he was, yeah, my dad, my dad was amazing. He, he Not that he was super into me being a musician, but once I was one, you know, he, he had my back the whole way. And then I bought cameras. I bought, um, I bought the big power, the, the, the Mac with the, the station, you know, the, the, what was it called? The power, the, the Macintosh that was, um, just a big, is that the cheese grater one? Is that what I bought? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a big aluminum tower. Yeah. Yes, that was it, the cheese grater. And I bought that. I bought cameras and I just went nuts and spent six months learning Final Cut uh, Logic and learning how to use the cameras and building a website. And I just worked, you know, 16, 18 hours a day, ran off and did gigs, slept a few hours, came back and did it. And then I then I built my first versions of all this that I did all the programming and I was getting hacked constantly because mm. I, you know, I was, didn't know what I was doing. Another percussionist, Stephen Hambright, who's my partner came in and he said, look, you obviously don't know what you're doing here, but you know what you're doing on the vibes. <laughs> I'm going to build the site. And then we, we incorporated Drupal and we built the site with Drupal and that's been going ever since. And we have well over 5,000, uh, vibe players. And it's just a funny thing when you sign up for vibesworkshop.com, there's a question on there that we know if you're a spammer or not. And the question is, name your favorite vibe player. And none of the yeah. spammers even know what the instrument is. So we get all these crazy answers <laughs> and we and we just delete them. So yeah, every day we go through and take out 20 or 30. And we have um, we have a cron job running where we take out, if, you, if there's a number in there, take out, uh, delete the account because it wouldn't be a number in somebody's name. Right. And yeah. and I built that over the last uh, 15 years. Yeah, when we had the Mag Power Users forums on Facebook, you know, I still shudder when I think about that, but we had so many spammers coming on that we had added a thing, a question when you sign up, say, name one of the host's first names, you know, just like just <laughs> one of our first names. That's all you got to do. And it was shocking how many uh, people, like, failed that test. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and if they're bots, you know, they just see a field and my partner will come in sometime and be looking and saying, okay, this guy's into baseball. There's 15 baseball players in the, who's yeah. your favorite vibe player list. And then we just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to unpack uh, a lot of this as we go through the episode, but something that really jumped out at me is you're really, uh, kind of merging the technology with, with really a pretty analog instrument right like if, I mean, we have links in the show notes people can go look at at a photo it is a a very analog thing and i mean thinking back to you know being in that house with that 512k mac like when did the music and technology start to to intermix for you on that computer i forget what was it called total music i was i when total music came out which was i think the first sequencer on the mac i bought it at the time and I started sequencing music. And then a friend of mine, oh man, going back, we had an Oberheim, we had all these synthesizers and he, he bought, 
I can't remember the name. Oh my God. Uh, but anyway, we had all this equipment and he said, let's do a top 40 band. And that was the beginning because I, even though I was a jazz musician, I loved the technology and I sequenced about 70 songs on floppy discs. That's how we did it back then. And we were going out and playing in clubs and I, pr I programmed all the synthesizers. So I learned all this stuff. So that was, God, it, late eighties, the total music come out. Uh, and I did that for a bunch of years. I finally got so sick of playing personally playing commercial music. I didn't like it that I went to Radio Shack and bought a, a bulk eraser. You know, those big magnets that you could buy at Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember that. <laughs> and I, I erased all the discs and then I brought them to my, my buddy at the time. Um, and I can say this now cause he's not here anymore. And I said, all these discs are bad. <laughs> and I said, that's it. And the group was, the group was done. It was over. And I just went back to playing jazz. And so that was the beginning. And then, sorry, finale, I yes, I, you know, I was, I did weddings and I know people love doing these different things and I'm not putting them down for, for me, I just got so sick of doing weddings and then commercial music. Um, but after that finale came out and I learned that. So Steven, if we ever do a show, if we ever record a show and you say to me afterwards, oh man, I'm sorry that this went bad. Should I, should I question that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The floppy disc I'm tracking to you right now. I don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that eraser. It was like a big handle on it. It had a yeah, massive yeah. magnet and you could erase Amazing. cassettes with it and floppies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't, that's I great. couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. And you know, Okay, so that was that. And from then, then the technology was there, and I embraced it, and I just learned it. And that was the 80s, 90s, and that carried me through. Although I wasn't doing a lot of stuff on gigs with electronic stuff. And then the Malakat uh, came out uh, maybe in the early 90s, and that's an electronic vibraphone with rubber pads. And I have one right here. I'll make sure you guys have a picture of all this stuff. And I began playing that and doing stuff with that. And that was great, you know, because then I could plug into synthesizers. Yeah, so that's basically a MIDI, a MIDI instrument, but it's a vibraphone MIDI, yeah. Yeah, yeah, MIDI instrument. And it's used, like, uh, if you go to Radio City Music Hall, all the percussion is Malakats. And they're all back there with guys with headphones on and computers, and, you know, they're running all of that through there, so... Yeah, I had a, I had an experience with that. Um, one of the local theater groups was doing West Side Story, and mm -hmm. they had local musicians record. So I came in and recorded a bunch of the saxophone parts for them, but they mm -hmm. couldn't find an oboe player. You know, it was it was all volunteer. Tony, this was not a, a professional thing. So somebody got a hold of a MIDI saxophone for me, and I recorded all the oboe lines on a MIDI saxophone. I ah, guess they could, have, they, yeah. could, they could have done it with a, pia a MIDI piano, I guess, but I guess the saxophone, the embouchure, you know, you kind of get the more of the, the feel of an oboe, but yeah, that, that, those are amazing for people out there who are not kind of tied into it these days. You know, a lot of musical instruments have been turned into digital versions where you can just output a MIDI signal and it gives like the velocity of the note. And so how loud it is, how hard you yes. hit it. And, um, yes. Uh, what, what is it like playing that, though, in comparison to a vibraphone? I would assume it's a little bit of a different feel. It's a different feel, and you get used to it, and it's fun. But the main thing I like is the acoustic vibraphone and do it. But this enabled me, uh, like I remember there's a great, great singer, uh, Michael Feinstein, and I did a gig, and I was part of his ensemble. And I did a timpani roll, and I saw him turn around and look, 
and he, he, he had no idea. And he said to the music director, where's the timpani? And the music director said, it's right there on that keyboard, hit it. And so I hit it and he just rolled his eyes and he was, I think he was angry that it wasn't a real oh, timpani. Really? Yeah, but wow. it fooled him. If, you know, it fooled him. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, also the nice thing, if you're into music or even if you're an amateur player like me, these MIDI instruments allow you to practice silently. In fact, um, yep. listener Peter uh, helped me acquire a MIDI saxophone recently, an excellent one that Yamaha makes that feels just like a saxophone. If you're going to get one, we'll put a link in the show notes. And I practiced that because my kids were in Zoom school with, with COVID, but I could still play oh. my sax because I had this little MIDI sax uh, that I, I bought uh, from Yamaha. And the thing is great because you put headphones in and you don't interrupt the kid's school. Yes. Well, I invented a, a, a set of mallets with a, a, a percussionist named Lee Stevens. And therefore, all my friends, because I have all these friends in Asia that live in apartments. And it's so you can still play your acoustic instrument in an apartment and you can hit it really hard, but it doesn't make a lot of noise. So that was an analog version to solve that problem. And those sticks sound sell great all over the world. Everybody's buying them. Uh, and they just help you practice, you know, at midnight with a baby in the room next to you, you could just go down on your vibes and, and play for a couple hours and nobody really hears you. This episode of MPU is made possible by our friends over at one password. They have a new feature out for one password, uh, for business. So if you're using one password in your company, like I am at Relay FM, there's this really cool new insights dashboard. So this consolidates information from a bunch of different places within the one password universe. So you can see your team report, domain breach reports, and watchtower reports all in one dashboard. So you can see if there are passwords in your organization that need to be changed. You can get ahead of those potential security risks because you can't protect what you can't see. One password wants to make all of that really easy to monitor in one place. I think it's super fantastic. I've been using 1Password at work for years, and it's great. I can have a vault that's just me. I can have one that I share with my business partner, and then another that we share with different members of our team. And it's really easy for me to manage that centrally. And it just is right within 1Password. So it's right next to my personal passwords and my family vaults. It really couldn't be simpler to have access to all of my secure information no matter where I am and no matter what device I'm using because it supports Face ID on the iPhone and iPad, Touch ID on the Macs. It just gives you that sense of peace, right? That 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 good feeling that you can log into all of your stuff no matter where you are and that you're doing it securely each and every time. So if you want to learn more, head on over to onepassword.com slash MPU. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial there, and when you sign up, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that's onepassword.com slash MPU. So, Tony, we've, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I've, as I feared, you and I are going to talk music a lot today, <laughs> but I also want to talk about Macs, and uh, what is your current setup? Now, I'm assuming the Mac 512 is no longer in operation. I wish I still had it, but no. In fact, I don't. Even, I, I guess I threw it out. It doesn't even make sense to me. But uh, no, it's not here. I have a 2021 M1 right in front of me, or right to the right of me. I have uh, uh, a Mac laptop that's probably from 2019, maybe. I have I have one 
and and a Mac Air from 2007 that I just turn on every few months just to go. Oh, it still works. Yeah. So I have those <laughs> two, and I have a 2015 I, that my nephew upstairs is using. But I use the two Macs here right now, and the the Mac, the M1, is great. It's great. I don't, you know, some things are so much faster, and some things are not so much faster. So I'm thinking, I spent four thousand dollars on this. I wonder if I could have went cheaper. So I have that. I have an iPad, an iPhone, and that's it. And I've kind of had the whole line of stuff all the way from the beginning up to now. I used to always buy, save my money and buy everything new when it came out. Um, but now I'm trying not to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, honestly, with the new M1s, you should be able to get a lot of lifetime out of that computer. And you shouldn't have to buy a new one for, for a little while now. I hope so. And then... You've got, in addition to all your musical instruments, um, I'm sure you've got some additional hardware you're using to for the school. Yeah, I have an A10 Mini, a Focusrite uh, interface, a whole bunch of hard drives plugged in, a monitor for the A10 Mini so I can see all the cameras on it, and, you know, a bunch of mixers, amps, um, two Canon cameras, one kind of... Uh, maybe warehouse security camera to hang from the ceiling to get an overhead shot of the vibes sure. and mixing speakers and a, uh, a keyboard. That's just a MIDI. I just use it for a MIDI keyboard, an old Yamaha keyboard that somebody gave me because they wanted me to have it and they were dying and they wanted it to be in good hands. Like they love this thing. And I've, I, I should update, but I could never update. You know, sure. so I have to keep this thing till it dies. There's a lot attached to that. Yeah, there's a lot attached to it. Yeah. In terms of two things that do stand out to me here that folks may want to hear about is number one, uh, what cameras are you using? Because that's always a good question. And then secondly, we talk about mics once in a while on the show, but it's always about mics used to record voice. But you're using mics to record an instrument, which is a very different beast. So what kind of mics do you use and what kind of cameras do you use? So I, um, I have a bunch of mics. I kind of endorse um, applied microphone technology, and I, I endorse their vibraphone microphones. In fact, I was there when they created them, and I was testing them years ago. Uh, so I have a bunch of those. And then I have two great, great Earthlink microphones that I use for just recording the vibes. And they're, they're, uh, they're beautiful. They're the uh, applied mic microphones are great also but they're about $300 microphones that I have for all of that and they do a great job and the earth links are like $800 microphones and they're really they make the vibes sound uh beautiful and then what are you using for your cameras oh the cameras are panasonic i don't i just get i just get good consumer model cameras i have old i have canons that are that are packed away I just use two of those, and I don't know what this warehouse camera is, but it's just a, just a box. You know, I have a friend that does video, and I, I'll say to him, here's what I need, and he sends me a link, and I buy it. And I okay. don't, yeah, I don't worry. I don't want I don't want to get into geek out on camera stuff because I hate doing the video part of what I have to do. I don't like it at all. That's the role that Steven often plays in my life. <laughs> How many times, Steven, have you sent me a link? <laughs> Like here, this is this is uh this is what you need. But yeah, and, and that and that works, right? That works. I don't have yeah. to I can put my energy somewhere else and somebody else is into that. 
and they can tell they can give me their expertise. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of the production work you're doing is taking place on the Mac, but does the iPad have a role in your work or is it sort of a more of a personal device? You know, the iPad was and is my teaching device. And that's what I would bring into school and teach. And I would use a program called Notability, which I don't know if I, if I, you know, I, I got all these Mac kind of programs from you guys. So I don't know if you ever talked about it and I got it from there, but Notability is incredible. And I use that with students because I can take notes, give assignments and record the lesson and, and the, the handwriting syncs up with the audio. Yes, so that's, the, that's says, the killer feature of that app. Right. But it's messing up with iCloud. And I, I couldn't use it this whole year. And I was begging the the notability people, what's going on? Can you help me? Can you help me? And they couldn't figure it out. And they just said, look, we don't have anybody else like you. We can't help you. And that was it. Man. And I restarted my instrument. Now, last time I redid it, it looked like it was working better, but I couldn't, it took me five minutes to open up anything and notability on this. So that, so the iPad's mostly, uh, for, for the teaching end of things, uh, and just to take notes, cause it's, you know, it's like a pad now with the pencil, so it works great. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I used to do interviews as a lawyer with notability and it was for the same reason. I could take notes while I talked to my client or the witness and um, then I could go back and listen to what we were talking about when I was writing it. And it always worked well for me. I just don't have need for that function anymore. But yeah, it, it is a good app if it works. So I hope it sorts out for you. I have bought every note-taking app that I could find on uh, in the app store. And there's nothing else that does what Notability does. Um, there's a couple that sort of do it and they they want all this money. And it's like, no, no, no. But I'm going to get ready for the fall and see if maybe it's it's solved. I heard on a podcast that there was syncing problems with iCloud and the Mac on these rare instances. So I heard it that somewhere, and I wrote to them, but they didn't weren't helpful. So yes, the iPads for school, and all the the, the computers you know stay here unless I'm traveling, and everything else is done on them. Yeah, one of the problems with these apps that use iCloud as a sync engine is it really is a black box. You know, Apple kind of controls it. They give the developer a way to plug into it, but the developer doesn't have a lot of ways to like uh, go in the background and see what's going on if there's a if there's a customer problem. So a lot uh -huh. of times their their hands are kind of tied. They don't know. Uh, that's the reason why several years ago the Omni Group made their own sync engine because they just decided, well, we want to own the, if there's a problem, we want to be able to fix it. But not oh. every developer can afford to put it together a whole background syncing engine. Um, the good news is iCloud has got a lot better over the last several years, so maybe that problem will fix itself, hopefully. I hope so because that is an amazing app. You know, just going and somebody somebody talking about something – and you go, okay, wait a second, wait a second. I turn on Notability and I'm taking notes. And it can just be a friend. It can be a workshop. It can be um, um, checking out somebody else's class. Somebody's talking about microphones. And I had all these files with audio that I could just click, okay, you know, sure, microphone, whatever, this microphone. I'd tap on it and I'd hear the guy talking about it. And all that stuff is gone. Now, I want to talk a little bit about another way you're using technology with your music, and that's the way 
you put together these little etudes. Oh, yeah. Well, when I, you know, the great thing about being a jazz musician is you improvise. So somebody can say to me, I, you know, I want an etude or for the website I work on. We have we have over 2000 lessons on there for the vibraphone and I'll get on. I'll get on the mallet cat. I'll play and maybe maybe somebody wants uh wants to learn how to play over take the A train and then I'll just play like a kind of simple solo through take the A train and I know how to emphasize the chord tones and quickly okay I have to get to here got to get to there and then I'll get it I'll get done I'll go into logic I won't play a lot of fancy rhythms I'll get to logic I'll quantize everything very quickly and then either I'll throw it into Sibelius or I'll leave it in Logic because they have a notation uh, section and I'll make a PDF and I'll put it up and I've got a lesson and I've got the audio because I recorded it in Logic and uh, that'll take me maybe 20 minutes so I can crank out etudes. Even in the middle of a lesson, somebody can say, well, I don't know how to do these chords. And I can say, wait a second, open up Logic, play the voicings, quantize them, look at it in logic, even do a screen capture if I don't want to do all the other stuff and then send it to their iPhone. So here's what I want you to do now. So play that. Do you understand? Oh, I get it. I get it. And, and it's done. So I can, cause I've been doing online stuff well before COVID going back to yeah. 2011 or something, 2012. Yeah. Well, I, I want to break that down for folks because you went fast on it. I think some folks are are unfamiliar with it. But, but so just you're, you're playing your MIDI vibraphones. Yes. And then the computer is capturing all of the data, the notes you play, when you play mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And then in logic, uh, quantizing for folks who've never heard of it, it's, it's where you kind of like land the notes more closely to the beat. Like in yes. jazz, there's phrasing where you don't necessarily land on the beat. But quantizing allows you to kind of straighten things out a little bit so people don't get like 30-second notes or whatever, right? And um, and then in the, the software, you're able then to say, okay, now that you've captured my notes, now print out sheet music of what I just played. And all of this is happening in 20 minutes. That's so remarkable to me because, you know, I haven't had a teacher in a long time. But back when I had teachers, you had to go to the music store and buy etude books. You didn't you didn't, the teacher didn't make them for you in 20 minutes. And, um, it's just to me kind of shocking when you told me about that workflow. I mean, maybe I'm just behind the times. Well, well, but you know, you, you think about, about how, how workflows have changed in business and, you know, and in your past legal profession, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with music. A lot of times now somebody will want something for a track and, you know, they used to either fly you in or you drive to a recording studio and now they send you the files, you record your part. There's nothing. You're not going out with the guys after and hanging out, having a great time. You're at home and you record it, you send it back to them and that's it. And you've recorded something for somebody's CD and, and you're done. So yes, with all the digital stuff and MIDI and understanding all that stuff, I can put these, these things together really really quickly and do it and we have a program do you have iReal pro on your phone yeah yeah so a student says well i don't know how to do this i don't know how to do that i have all these files and uh, they have all the standards and i say okay well here's the tune you're working on 
I'm going to play a solo and I want you to transcribe it. And then next week you analyze it for me. And one pass, I'll just play it in and then stop. I send them the audio file. It records their, their backing tracks and throws my audio on top. I send it to him. I do that in God, six minutes and yeah. send it to them. And now they have something to work on, uh, which makes the online thing, you know, much easier. Yeah. And I mean, and uh, it, it was true 50 years ago. It's true. Now, one of the best ways to learn to play jazz is to transcribe the solos of other people. You know, you yes. don't go, you don't, I remember I wanted to buy the, there was a book, uh, that had all the Charlie Parker solos in it. I forget what the, the book Omni was book. called. The Omni book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to buy it. My teacher said, you are not allowed to buy that book. If you want to play Charlie Parker solo, you got to figure it out, you know, which was not easy. <laughs> yes. I'm of the same camp and I've transcribed uh, probably a couple hundred solos over my lifetime. And, you know, that's, that's the way, that's the way to learn this music. Yes. Now, do your students also use these apps that now we have apps that can slow the music down. So making transcription so much easier um, because you can actually hear the individual notes. Do you use any of that stuff? Yes, I have the amazing slow downer on the Mac, and I use that to uh, either, if I, even like I just came out to your neck of the woods and I did a tribute to Terry Gibbs for the LA Jazz Festival, and I had to play all these big band charts and then small group charts. I had to learn like like almost 30 charts for this gig, and I was like, oh my God. But I would take the big band charts because I'm not the best reader, I'm a decent reader. And I would play everything at 60% and then start reading these charts down and then make it 65, 70, 75. And I worked it up. So I use all those apps. I use them all the time. I use, I record myself every day. I use iReal Pro every day. I use a metronome on the computer every day and just set it to two and four and practice. So I use all that. And my, as a result, my students do. And I think as of the times, all students do now. Yeah. Well, it's great because what, what we're finding is as someone who likes to listen to jazz as well, I play it, you know, poorly, but I listen to it excellently. <laughs> and I, uh, it's shocking to me watching YouTube, these young kids who have way better chops than I ever had at their age. And I think it's because of people like you and these tools out there now where they can learn to transcribe even better and they can learn to get better time feel and stuff because the, these tools just weren't there. I mean, um, uh, Stephen, will you allow me a very brief diversion into jazz for just a second? Okay. Can I get a, can I get a, can I get a leaf here for a <laughs> Sure. So fun. Go, go uh, when for I was it. in high school, I was in the state jazz band. And so it was a bunch of really nerdy jazz kids. And there's this great Charlie Parker song called night in Tunisia. And it, people in the audience, I would re- encourage you to go listen to it. If you haven't, it's a fun song. And there is a part at the end of the first run through where the whole band stops for two measures. And Charlie plays like a million notes in, in eight beats. And, uh, we called it the break. I don't know. Do people still just call it the break, Tony? Or yeah, is that just, a, it's, yeah, it, the, it's it, a break. And by the way, that uh, Dizzy Gillespie wrote the tune, but you're right about the Charlie Parker break. Yeah. Charlie Parker played the break. Dizzy wrote the tune. You're right. Yeah. But anyway, so we all decided we were going to learn to play the break and none of us could figure it out. And then at some point, some guy, a friend of a friend, like of a friend said, Oh, I know a guy who knows the break. And we're like, Oh, we got to talk to this guy. So this is 1985 <laughs> guys. It turns out the guy was in Italy. So we wrote a letter to Italy, like four of us together wrote a joint letter <laughs> with a stamp. 
And we mailed it to the guy in Italy. And we're like, hey, we're these kids in, in California. We'd really like a copy of the break. And like a month and a half later, one of us gets a, a letter from this guy that has the break in it. And that's how we learned the break. Somebody had finally transcribed it and we could use it. Like now, if you want to learn the break, you go on YouTube and there's like 10 people that show you how to play the break. You know, it's just like, yes. and these kids, so the kids are really getting good. I, I love it. It's amazing. I mean, there's these young kids that Joey Alexander stands out for me is on the piano, but there's these amazing young musicians using all these tools that Tony's talking about. Well, so two things. One, one, just a funny story, slightly embarrassing, but Joey Alexander opened up for my group one time. Oh, and wow. the place was packed with people. Yeah. Joey played. It was a festival, so people could go off. Joey played, and then we came out thinking it was a packed room. They only came to see Boy Wonder. And when we got out there, <laughs> half the people were gone because yeah. they just heard, there's this kid, you should hear him play. And uh, I, my, I just thought to myself, you know what, Joey? One day you're going to be 25. Yeah, <laughs> and and, it, and you're not a boy, but he is so, such an amazing musician that he's always going to be spectacular. But there's a bunch of guys that, as they got older, no one remembers them as the prodigy as the, like they were. Oh, and I forgot yeah. what the second thing was. Yeah, we'll put a link to Joey Alexander in the show notes too. He's an Indonesian. I, I don't want to say kid. I think he's a young man now, but he he plays the heck out of the piano. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because you bring up the technology. I remember when all this stuff was happening and what always happens is the old guys say it was better when they were young and they, the guys would trash YouTube and what are these students? They don't have teachers. They're learning off YouTube. And I knew enough about technology to say to these old guys, you're wrong. Wait till you see what happens and give this five or 10 years and watch. And now people are learning how to play instruments only off of YouTube and they're becoming amazing amazing musicians so the technology has helped out uh, all of us um ex except for people some of the old guys that haven't picked up on it i think and there's probably suffering a little bit from not getting the technology side together yeah youtube is a lot better than writing a letter to italy i'll tell you that <laughs> well and you know the beatles did that in in uh, the, bi the biography read on the beatles they found out somebody who could play a b7 chord and they went to the guy's house and knocked on his door. So you, you, you have that in common with uh, uh, John and Paul. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash MPU to get 20% off your first year and learn more. So we're the Mac Power Users, and people often ask us how to get started with automation on their Mac, iPhone, and iPad. And my answer is always Text Expander. There's a couple of reasons for this. First, Text Expander is a great stable application you can run on your devices that automates the process of entering text, and everybody is dealing with text. Text replacement tools have been around a long time, but Text Expander brings it to the next level. For example, with Text Expander, you can hard code the tab key. This lets you create a snippet that you can trigger in the subject field of an email that jumps straight to the body and fills in the body text as well. You can also put fill-ins so you can prompt yourself to put in the name of the person you're sending it to. Or you can use Apple Scripts and use Apple Script to grab the name of the person's name from the email and add it to the email. 
You can insert the date automatically. There's just a whole bunch of tools you have that aren't available with any other text expansion tool. And this is a great way to get started with automation because we're all using text. And the more we can automate it, the less work we have to spend on it, the easier our days go, the faster we get home to our kids and our families and we get to have fun doing things. Not only is Text Expander a great tool for automation, it's also a great tool for your team. You can get your whole team access to all the content they need to use every day using Text Expander snippets. So when they're doing those customer support emails, they have exactly the right language. Or when they're filling out marketing materials, they have exactly the right verbiage. And best of all, Text Expander is available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using Text Expander every day since it first landed on the Mac. It's an essential tool for me, and it's a great automation tool as well. Go check it out at textexpander.com slash MPU. That gets you 20% off the first year and lets them know you came from the Mac Power Users. Thanks again, Text Expander, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. So we talked uh, a while back in the episode before the jazz discussion took over about... Um about your time in Philly and sort of the pre 9-11 era and what that looked like as far as going out and playing and being out in front of a crowd. Um, what does that look like uh, today? Okay, well, um, today, wh- wh- when... <laughs> let's say, after nine- let's say pre- between 9-11 and the pandemic. How about that? <laughs> right. You know, I was, ki- I was kind of proud when I went from just here being playing local which is fine i mean i had a, it's amazing there's such amazing music here in philly but when i did the tech thing and did youtube and the vibe site i began began to get calls all over the world because now instead of going down the street in philly and playing at a club and a couple of people hearing you saying hey you sound good playing my band now people all over the world were, were deciding how i played and deciding whether they could use me um or not and so that started to happen <clears throat> after 9-11, I put the site up and it was kind of cool because before COVID, I had filled up a passport, had the passport enlarged and filled that up and had to get another one. So it was like, well, this is great. I've been traveling, playing. It's great. It's me. I'm hustling. I'm doing all this. But as that went on and pre-COVID and COVID, I began to learn like Apple scripts. So I began Every new gig, travel gig that came through, I made folders and made documents and put them in there. It would help me keep track of who's, who's in the band, who's doing this. And I began incorporating that business side, which I'm not so good at, but I, I, when I, once I learned AppleScript, I could kind of think about what I need, contracts and filling in contracts automatically uh, and doing all that. So all that has really helped me because just being one person trying to keep all this stuff going and and traveling and playing locally and teaching in four universities it's hours a day of sitting here in front of the computer just figuring out figuring out stuff i have a gig coming up that i'm going to spend three hours today getting the music together and not even playing the music but getting it all together printing it out getting it to all the guys in the band taking care of all that and then putting it in my practice routine to do it so after 9 11 I traveled, COVID hit, it all kind of fell apart. Um, and now uh, I'm at, maybe I'm going to get back up to 50% of what it was, which is great because I've been traveling for a long time and I just, it's not as much fun as it used to be. Hmm. 
You know, it's funny. I feel like because being a actual jazz musician in 2022 is is a is an amazing feat. There are very few people that can do it. And we talked to Bob Reynolds over on the Focus podcast last year, who's a, a saxophonist in L.A. But every time I meet one of you guys, it it occurs to me that all of you professional jazz guys are like closet productivity gurus, right? Because you have to, you don't have like a team, you know, I, I expect that Taylor Swift is not printing out her music and getting it to the band. Right. Yeah, no, you know, no. but do you think she knows Apple script? It, well, I, that's, that's why Tony's here. Taylor <laughs> wanted to be on the show and I told her no way. I mean, I said, <laughs> Go how do you program Apple script? And she said, I don't know what Apple script is. And I said, get out of here. You're not allowed get out. And so she, that's why Tony's here today, guys. But anyway, there you go. The, uh, in fact, let's get back to that Apple script a little bit. So I heard you saying that you were making folders with Apple script. Is that, was that what you're using the script for to set up the folder structure? Yes. You know, uh, I was, uh, oh, first it, well, I'm sorry. First it was Apple script. When COVID hit, it all switched over to, to Google app script. So okay. I learned Apple script was making the folders, doing all this stuff. And my son who works for Google, uh, when it hit, he showed me, the whole Google suite, you know, the classroom and all this stuff. Yeah. And then I went on Udemy and started taking all these computer courses during COVID. And I switched it over to Google Apps Script. And I have all that uh, happening in Google Apps Script now. And, and is that where you're writing the contracts too? Yes. And that's where, uh, yeah, that's where all that's happening now. And I even have a, you know, I put in a thing that I, I, I would, I, I had a thing that once I, I did the contract and, and everything went, I set a trigger that would email the guys in the band a week before the gig and then a night before the gig and say, Hey, please confirm you got this and you're good for the gig. And it's too much. I was getting yelled at. So I'm going to, I'm going to set it down to just a week before, because there's so many times it's a week before the gig and you, you, you call the guys in the band up, Hey, I'll see you next week. And they go, there's a pause. And you know <laughs> what that pause is? That pause is, Oh no, I never wrote it down. Yeah. So, as I do that. I can automate that now. And then from there, you know, I, I learned JavaScript again. I used to know JavaScript and Pascal and basic, and I learned JavaScript again, and now I'm taking a course on react. So what, for me, what are you doing with JavaScript right now, using it with, uh, react. And after that's done, I want to build my, my own store. Cause I don't sell a lot of things and I give Squarespace 30 bucks a month and with my Google suite account, I could do all that, uh, through that. And with my son's help, I can do it. So all that's going to switch over, uh, to help me write some web stuff that I can use to do all this. And I want to do it. Like I, I built the, the, I used, um, square, you know, and one of the courses taught you how to use square, which was easy. And I yeah. thought, why am I paying people to do this? Why can't I figure it out? Well, it sounds like you're on your way and it sounds like, uh, you your uh, your tech gene wore off in your son. Yes, uh, you know, uh, kudos to him because he uh, he decided what he was want to want to do. He wanted to go to Drexel University. I said, Nico, we're so poor. You're not going to Drexel. He went to Drexel. He got all these grants and all this stuff, and then he got done. And he said, I I'm going to work at Google. And I said, Nico, just get a job. Stop stop with this. You know, just get a job and do something. And three years later, he was consulting for Google. And then by the fourth year, he said, he called me up and said, guess what? I'm a Google employee. And I was like, 
okay, I stopped giving him business advice. And one time I gave hmm. him money advice and he said, oh, my dad, the jazz musician, is giving the Google employee advice with money. I said, I will never talk money with you again. And I have never since. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. But you also use automation for calendaring, right? Uh, well, I have, yeah, every day I get, um, through Google app script, I get a summary of the next, the next, uh, six or seven days, but I mainly look at the first and that's in my email and I can see what I forgot that I have coming up today. And, uh, so I use that. I like one thing you shared with us beforehand is you have a way that you name calendar events to confirm who's showing up for the gig. I thought that was kind of clever. Oh yeah, I just ins I insert their part of their name and I put OK in capital letters, and I only do that when it's confirmed, and nobody can say I never told them about it because if there's an OK there, I know I've got a I've got something on text or I've got something in email, and whenever they say you never told me about this, I I see the OK and I know I can find it, and I can send it to them and say no, you're wrong. Well, well, Tony, you are a geek, so I know that when you're traveling for all these gigs, you must be using some apps and some technology to get you there. I mean, I don't even know how you ship vibraphones. Do you, or do they have them there for you when you get there? I don't know. I have a list of 5,000 vibraphone players, so I can always get a vibraphone, and I usually, I usually, can, I usually, me or the person doing the work can find one and get it to you. So that's not, that's not, that's never a problem. In terms of managing the travel, though, are you use the, the, the uh, travel apps, any of that stuff? Yeah, so I use TripIt, and TripIt's amazing. You know, I remember, not so much anymore, so maybe the timing's better, but I remember going up to the flight desk and saying, okay, so our gate has moved. And the, 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 the woman person behind the desk would say, no, it hasn't moved. I said, and I look at TripIt, yes, it's moved. We're at gate 25 now. And she goes, no. And I say, okay. And then she goes, wait a second. Up, oh, you're at gate 25 now. So trip, it's really cool. Uh, but I use that to manage all my travel. And then when I'm starting my, think about my trip, all I use is notepad. I put the title of the trip up top. I start making a list of everything I need to bring. And then underneath it is my flight, rent-a-cars, hotel reservation confirmations. Everything is right there. And I, I hit it before I get on the plane. So it's at the top of my list. And between those two apps, um, that covers and makes travel for me smooth. Steven, do you use any of those um, apps like TripIt or, you know, the flight tracking apps? I just took my first flights in, uh, in three years and I ended up using Flighty, which yeah. gives you just way too much information about your flights. But... And I really, I really liked it. I, I will continue to use it uh, when I fly. But I am pretty old fashioned when it comes to this, and I basically just stick everything in like a long running Apple Note with PDFs and links to email messages and stuff. And that hasn't let me down yet. And Apple Notes, of course, gives you offline access, which some of the other sort of newfangled PKM PKM apps don't. Uh, I'm mainly yeah. saucy about craft not doing true offline uh support but uh i haven't really explored the world of like sort of dedicated travel apps to be honest yeah i mean i'm like you too i use an apple note i feel like that's the perfect because it accepts pdfs and links and it you know just it really is perfect for that purpose like when i travel 
everything's in there, the phone number of the hotel and the, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but I can't get myself into TripIt because I only travel two or three times a year. I think if I was a touring right. musician, I probably would have it. But for someone who gets on a plane like these days, even less than two or three times a year, it just doesn't seem worth the trouble to me. Right. It's 50 bucks. It's 50 bucks a year. But it's great when I somebody says, okay, I'm picking you up. <clears throat> What's your flight information? And I just get the link right there and trip it. Yeah. And I send or add them to the whole itinerary and they can do it. So I imagine uh, traveling musicians that travel a lot are doing something with something like this. Yeah. I would think. Uh, everybody I know who travels is a TripIt fan and it's got automation tools. Rosemary on, on the automators is really into it. I just don't travel enough is, is the problem. Right. One of these days I'm going to figure that out. Yeah, but I need I need a to-do list because every time I go, I have to, you know, this wire, that wire, this computer, that, you know, vitamins, pills, and I have to have this list in Notes app, and then I have to check it off usually the day before and put everything in a pile and then start to pack your suitcase, which is a thing in itself to try to get it into as small or carry-on suitcase as you can whenever you can. I'm going to, Tony, send you a shortcut. And this is in the shortcuts uh, field guide for folks who have already have it. But I've got a, 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 a travel checklist shortcut that I'm proud of. It uses a race. So oh. you can get all of them in there. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to have that. Now, I was using things uh, to do all this. And that was helping me because whenever I check off the flight list three days later, things will give you a whole new uh, flight thing. So that was kind of helpful. And I was using that and I'm a GDT guy. So going, you were talking about productivity, you know, that book changed my life, uh, getting things done. And I was an OmniFocus guy for a long time. And it's just, I have so little, little time. It's like, how do it, like, how can I do all this as quick as I can do it? And yeah, that's what, yeah. There's a lot of good options these days. I mean, Apple's reminders app is getting really good. I mean, oh. I'm looking at that one right now and it, they have come a long way in just a couple of years. Oh, I always use it for remind me when I get home, but I, but I, I hated it in the beginning for making lists and things. And uh, I should go back and check it out now. All right. So the opposite of travel for you is now you're doing teaching from home as well. Yes. How does that work? And, and what are you using to pull it off? Well, so, um, I use, uh, I, of course I use zoom and I'm trying to find, I use, uh, well, I'll start off with zoom and I go back because I go back to this way before doing online stuff, you know, cause the vibraphone is such an uncommon instrument that I would get email from people saying, there's no, do you know many teachers in my neighborhood? I live in this country or that country. And I'd say, no, but do you want to try and do it online? And in the beginning, we talked, was it Basecamp? Remember, I, I, I we were talking, I told you. Yeah. I used Basecamp in the beginning and would just send back and forth uh, audio files. And then I used Skype and that was horrible. But I did it. I did it. And I got my sound to be with good equipment to be pretty good for the student. And they would just have horrible sound back. And it would just destroy my ears listening to four hours of Skype lessons. I wrote to all these companies. Um, I wrote to Skype and then my son with Google before COVID, I wrote a letter and he sent it to the Google guys and just saying, please increase the audio, give us better audio. There's so many musicians that would use your app. You could probably charge us 
10 bucks a month for good audio and you'd probably get a lot of musicians. No, nobody wanted to do it. No, it wasn't worth it. And then COVID hit and then Zoom came out and that changed everything because the sound was great. Uh, and that made teaching online so much easier. And um, so I switched over the, uh, once, Zoom, once I found Zoom, I switched to Zoom and I switched to Google Drive and using other places to store files and to do things. And then my son showed me Google Classroom and I have a script that creates a classroom for every new student, puts some cool vibe videos in there, makes the, makes the sections that we're going to talk about. And then I throw the assignments in there and I throw the material in there. Um, and I do that. And now it's, I, I used to think that teaching online was 60% or 50% of teaching in person. And in my mind now, I think teaching online is 85% of teaching in person. So, you, so it's really good teaching online and teaching with students. You know, because of the lag, you can't play with the students but we can do other things now with the iReal Pro. Um, and there's other ways I can make, sometimes in five minutes, I make a, a file where I'm playing the vibes, I send it to them and they pull, play along with what I did. And maybe the lesson goes a little longer because I'm recording some things, but it's really come a long way where we can all teach online and still the best thing is in person. There's, there's something about being on person for me doing a lesson that I feel is best. But if somebody from Taiwan wants to study with me, then we can do it. We can do it this way. And with a beginner, it's hands down, no problem to teach them online and just get them going on the instruments. And I would imagine that it opens the world of this instrument up to people who maybe would have not been able to experience it otherwise. Yes. And you know, um, there's a, there's a company called Steve Weiss music and one of the biggest percussion distributors in the world. And Steve Weiss passed away a few years ago. And Steve and I work with them. We have the Steve Weiss Festival this summer, a workshop and three days of concerts here in Philadelphia. And their goal is like my goal. My goal is to get as many people to see these instruments as possible because I think people are going to play them. And going back into the 80s and 90s, there were very few Vi players out there doing it. There was only three or four well-known ones. And it was a whole different thing, but because of YouTube, because of everybody's efforts and listening to great players play online, they're coming out of the woodwork now. And because of the whole diversity thing, there's, there's, there's women playing the vibes now where it was it probably was no entry point for them back in the eighties and nineties. And now there's amazing musicians of every, every country, every, every walk of life. And uh, it's exciting. So we're increasing the amount of people playing this instrument. And that's my goal. So the online thing, all that stuff helps me do that. I can play online, I can do a concert online. And I do that stuff. And I think it, it kind of makes the vibe world a better place. You know, I would argue that it also makes the jazz world a better place because jazz was a dying art form. And now, if you go on YouTube, there are so many ways to learn it. And I think the way most people who love jazz are people who have played it in, in some form or another. And the more the stuff gets democratized, the more people discover the beauty of it. I uh, I love it. I It's just so shocking to me. You know, when I was 
you know, young and really serious about music, it was all forbidden knowledge. You had to find a teacher. You had to find the man on the hill that would yeah. teach you about the two five one. Yeah. And like it was, the knowledge just wasn't out there. You really had to find it. And even the teachers didn't necessarily share it. Now it's like all out there, and um, it's it's an exciting time for musicians. I think we call certain musicians territorial. Like there's certain musicians, especially back in the day, they wouldn't tell you certain things as if their twist on a two five one was the only twist like that in the world. And, you know, if you, you can go back to Ravel and Debussy and hear two five ones and hear everything we do in jazz already done. But now with, with all these mediums of putting the, the word out, you can't be territorial anymore because everybody's playing, everybody's talking about it and everybody's talking about what their teacher taught them. And those days, those days are gone. And this is a much more exciting uh, world to be in where all the information can just fly all over the place. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Indeed. You've looked at your business's hiring from every angle, but you're just, you have that feeling, right? That something is missing. And you're right, because you need to be partnering with Indeed. They're the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, hopping around, trying to find the right candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data in the U.S. One of the things that's really cool about Indeed is how they just know how to make hiring pain-free. Like virtual interviews uh, save you a bunch of time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. In fact, I just had a family member start a new job, and she did one of these virtual interviews through Indeed and had a great experience with it as someone looking for a job. And Indeed helped her new employer find her. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than the 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent quickly. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash MPU to learn more. That's I-N-D-E-E-D, Indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, so Tony, uh, we talked in the beginning about you know Dad stepping in when things were rough and you building an online school. I want to hear more about that. Uh, so it's called VibesWorkshop.com. Great idea for the name, by the way. Yes, it's VibesWorkshop.com. And what's funny is you you know you say Dad stepping in, and I know everybody imagines a young vibraphone player and his dad putting his arm around him. <laughs> I was I was fifty. I was 50 when that happened. Uh so it's a it's a little different. Um but yes, he can he he came he came through and I built the site and thousands of hours put into it and how I started was which is kind of interesting because I would go on YouTube and find 
high school performances of vibraphone players and any performance, even if I thought the vibe player wasn't good, I would find something nice to say about them and I would say it. And so I try to do three or four players a day. It was a little harder to do back then. And then I would notice on Vibe's workshop, within a day or two, out of out of hitting up 10 people, I'd see two created accounts on the site. They're not paying yet, but they created, because you can be free on the site and access certain things and you can pay and get the uh, the lessons. And I began doing that. And I, you know, five of those guys would be on and one would subscribe. So I'd, you know, okay, 10 bucks a month. I'm making 10 bucks a month. And for the first three months, I only made $10 a month off the site. And I was doing it 18 hours a day. And then three months later, I got my second guy. And then a month later, my third. And I remember I got two in a day and it was like, oh my God. And I was making $50 a month. Me, myself and my partner, Stephen Hambright. Uh, but I stuck it out, and by the end of the year, I had, you know, 20 people paying money, and, and then it grew, and then lots of people were signing up, and I and then I had an, a list of people. So I wasn't making a lot of money, and you don't make a lot of money off a of Vibe site, but you make some money. But I, I had a list of two, 3,000 Vibe players, so I could look and go, oh, oh, I see all these Vibe players in Spain let me see. Oh, wait, there's there's 50 of them within a day's drive of this town. And then I'd say, I'd know somebody there and I'd say, hey, let's do a workshop. And I'd come there and do a workshop and I'd target these 50 guys. And all I needed was 10 of them to, to pay me and my flight and hotel was covered and I made some money. And that's how it would work from the beginning. And now, you know, I email, it's it's not a lot by other instruments, but I, when I send an email out, it goes out to four or 5,000 people on uh, uh, my my uh, mail app that, you know, for the newsletters. And I can start to make a dent in the things and I can start getting people to show up. We have our workshop this summer and the, by the second newsletter, it was, the workshop was filling up. It's only 11 people. And now I have one person left to fill. So just knowing all these people is really helpful. Um, and it goes up and down. There's a vibe player named Gary Burton. Do you know who? Yeah, I was like, he made a great album with Chick Corea that I really enjoyed. And he's done yes. some other work. Yeah. Well, he's a, he, he's retired now, but he was a huge fan of the site. And I discovered a guy named Mallet Man that was coming every day to the site. And I looked and it was, you know, the email address was GaryBurton.com. I said, let me, let me use your name for your user ID. And he was, he was, as I remember, he was paying for the account. And I said, yeah. you don't have to pay for the account. There's nothing I can teach you. But he made, as a gift for me, he made uh, a few lessons. And when I put them up, everything doubled for three months. Yeah. You know, so, so once he was up there, uh, but that's been the path, you know, just having a whole bunch of vibe players, making a community of people, um, just like just like you're doing, and just making friends with people and trying to, you know, give them something of value and uh, get some get some money back. Yeah, it is, you know, because you have created like a a home on the internet for people interested in jazz vibraphone. I mean, that's a small group there, you know. People who like jazz, there's a lot of people like jazz, or I guess I would argue there aren't that many people that even like jazz, but of that group, <laughs> yeah. the ones that play vibraphone is even smaller, but you've given them a home and whether you intended or not, you've built a community. 
that's impressive. Yeah, no, I intended, that was the intention. Like I thought, what am I going to do now? Uh, you know, as a musician, maybe it's, maybe it's for you guys too. It seems like every 10 years, your life changes. And for me, in some musical way, I did weddings in my twenties, in my thirties, I was doing, uh, uh, jazz, uh, lots of gigs in my forties. It was a lot of corporate things in my fifties. It became online and traveling. My intention was to definitely build a bridge and give something like I, you know, I, I, I knew I had to give from what was the book? Seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. He talked about win, win, not win, lose. So I thought, okay, I have to give something that's valuable to these people. And I, and I have to ask them in exchange to help me do it. And that's what's happened. And I have, you know, people paying for the site, getting a lot out of it. And I've seen people go from beginner to gigging some retired guys some uh there's a there's a vibe player named joe doubleday who's a great vibe player and i was listening to him in high school put his gigs up on vibes workshop asking for critiques and then doing the lessons and now he's uh he's a great great vibe player in new york there's a guy in uh, greece who would do every lesson that i put up and um, I just went, <clears throat> he got me to come to Greece on a Fulbright, and he's a professional vibraphone player in Greece. So to see all that happen, not to just take people's money, but to maybe take money, but give them something back and watch them grow, I think is really kind of cool. Like your, um, I was just looking up here at the the broom, your Hazel video, which I took. Yeah. Your course. That changed my life with Hazel. <laughs> the broom. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Uh, I, I'm living that now. And Stephen and I both live that, you know, we make mm-hmm. this podcast and um, people support it through the sponsorships or the membership or me and the Max Barkey Labs. But the the part of it that really doesn't sink until you experience it really is the enriching nature of these relationships that grow out of it. I mean, I learned right. so much from the people in the Max Barkey Labs and from the listeners of the show. It, it really kind of takes on a life of its own. I, uh, I will make no, uh, I will not hide behind the fact that I am very lucky to have this amazing audience that, that wants to hear what I do and help support me. But yeah, it's also really fun to give yeah. back. It, it is a very virtuous cycle. Well, I was so like, uh, what's, I guess proud of you when, when you announced you quit, you didn't know me, but I felt like I knew you. And you said, I, I, I'm not a lawyer anymore. I was like, right on. Like that never happens that way. That was scary. Yeah, it was scary, but it's working out so far. Yeah, Tony, I mean, it seems like the site has been a a big success in all these different ways. When you first set out to do it, uh, you know, all those years ago, did did you have sort of the full picture in mind that it was going to be part lesson, part community, these other contributors, or did that sort of come about organically as as people took notice? Well, I I knew a couple things. One is I know, I just knew, and I think we all know, you have to give people something to get them there. So you can come on. I, I knew to build a free part of the site. I knew to do that. I knew to let in, at the time, we were letting in anybody who was a pro that I know was a good pl- vibe player, and I see them sign up or they pay for it. I would say, no, 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 you don't have to pay. Just hang out, and why don't you uh, give me a lesson? as opposed to being territorial and keeping those people out, I knew by putting them in that it was a good thing. And I watched 
uh, Gary Burton come on. I watched David Friedman come on. He's an amazing vibe player from Germany. Terry Gibbs was hanging out there, another great vibe player, Mike Manieri. All these guys came on and got in the discussion. And all of a sudden, I had a site where the top, 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 top vibe players in the world were talking to all these other players who were just beginners. Uh, and there was this dialogue going on. Gary Burton was talking to, you know, somebody would play something and Gary Burton would say, why don't you try this? And David Friedman, who's like a god on the vibraphone, would would be critiquing people. And I knew, okay, this is the way. Now they're really getting something. So I wasn't possessive about it. So all those things I had in when I started, and I had some demo sites before where I was experimenting uh, with all this. And that's that's when I was really, you know, I'd come downstairs. I had a site called Larry's Improv Page after a mentor of mine. And we were putting lessons up there. And I came down one day and there was a Turkish flag. And it was like, I got hacked. And so I built it back up again. And I came out when came down one day and there was all dirty pictures. It's like, oh, I got hacked. And that's when my my partner came in and said, okay, you don't know what you're doing. I'm going to do this part. <laughs> you got help when you needed it, sounds like. Uh, yes. And by keeping things open, I think was a good thing. You know, it's scary sometimes if somebody comes in that's better than you or somebody disagrees with you that that you think, oh, you know, there's, I don't know, there's Warren Wolf disagreeing with something on the site. and uh, But he's Warren, he's Warren Wolf. But I think that's a community is all that. People better than you, people not as good as you, the dialogue, the conversation, and that's what I think makes the site valuable. Yeah, it is funny to me how you get these communities where um, everybody has the same interest, but they're vicious to one another. Right. I, I was told by a friend that that magicians are like that. If you get into the magician community, all magicians hate other musicians. Magicians, not musicians. And um, I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, it, it's just kind of like the old Mac versus Windows days. Like, there's such a small group of people that were enthusiastic about computers at the time. Why did we spend so much time battling each other? It really wasn't worth it. And uh, and you just want like to have a nice watering hole for vibraphonists to come in and be able to talk. And you did it. What, what's the hardest part of running the school? I mean, you didn't when you got your degree in music in Philadelphia. You did not intend probably to one day be running a no. a, a a website like this. No, I, I had no idea, and there weren't even computers then, so that wasn't that wasn't even in my mind. But I think, you know, you said like, what is the hardest thing? And I thought. Everything. And, and I'm sure that's a lot of people, like w- especially people running their own businesses. You say, what's the hardest thing? But um, for these days, the hardest thing is after making probably 1,300 videos and lessons, one of the hard things is I turn the cameras on and go, okay, what am I going to do? I'll do this. No, I did that. I'll do this. Oh, I did that. So that's difficult uh, to do. Editing the video is really difficult for me because I just, I can't stand doing it. Um, so that's a different kind of, uh, difficulty. Uh, sometimes dealing with, uh, the old timers, uh, can be difficult. Some days I'll get four emails from guys all in caps and they can't get into the site. And it's like, okay, I know you're retired because you're typing in caps. So you don't know that nobody types in caps anymore. And then I have to spend four or five emails getting them online because you're doing this or or this wrong. And so that can be difficult. Um, and uh, the spammers, 
are a pain. I haven't been in the site in a couple of weeks and we get out a bunch of them, but I'm sure if I go in now, there'll be a hundred, 150 like spam account counts from .ru and these website, these mail sites that you know are just fake. And then I have to go through and they made it through and I have to weed through and uh, get rid of them. Well, you're a businessman, Tony. You know, <laughs> I, gonna say? <laughs> I say to people sometimes, I'm a vibraphone player. Why do I have to do all this work? Some days, uh, you know, I, I try to practice two hours a day. Some days it's six o'clock and all I've done is, I, I don't mean to preach to your audience who probably goes, oh, give me a break. But all I've done is sit in front of the computer and emailed musicians, did contracts, did this, did that, balanced my thing and my, my money and quicken. And it's like, oh my God, the day's done. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and I just wanted to be, it, honestly, when I, when I went to college, I just thought, I can be a bum and I can be a musician. I can just go out and play gigs, come home, you know, back then, you know, smoke a joint, you know, do all this stuff. And now here's my life that I won't even drink on a gig because I know I have to get up the next day and handle all this stuff. Tony, somewhere your dad is laughing hysterically right now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wherever he is, he's... He he's laughing because he he actually caused it, so it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Zocdoc. Find the right doctor right now with Zocdoc and sign up for free at zocdoc.com/mpu. There are some amazing doctors out there, but really the only ones that matter are the ones who actually take your insurance. With Zocdoc, you can focus on doctors who are in network putting you on the path to see the doctors who are right for you. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors with verified patient reviews and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into the doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Just go to ZocDoc.com. Choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. You can find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor. We went through this in our house not so long ago. My daughter was sick. We were all stressed out about her being sick, and we wanted to get her to a doctor. And I was going down the list of approved doctors that the insurance company gave me. And I would call them and they'd say, oh, yeah, we have an appointment, but we don't take that insurance anymore. So you'll have to pay out of pocket. This happened like three times. So I finally gave up and went to ZocDoc and immediately got booked with a good doctor that my daughter was comfortable with and was available and took our insurance. It really was that easy. So you can go to ZocDoc.com MPU and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-P-U. That URL one more time, ZocDoc.com slash M-P-U. And our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. Tony, we like to close these interviews talking about some favorite uh, apps and services that maybe we didn't get to mention in the the main part of our discussion. You've got uh, a really good list here. Yes. Okay. So I'll I'll go down the list. So Pixelmator Pro, Pixelmator, well Pro, 
is an amazing app for a few reasons. I don't, I use one twentieth of it and it's because I don't have to pay the damn monthly fee, you know, the Adobe monthly. So this is a lifesaver for me. This, I can't believe how much I went, when I went to my accountant, I couldn't believe what I'm paying in software a year. It's I, she, when I did the number, I was like, Oh, uh, what? Um, so that's that I real pro I use, um, that's, um, backing tracks that are all uh, kind of created on the fly. It's not like a real band, but it'll do if you're working on things. Yeah. So let me just interrupt on that one to, to give an endorsement from an amateur. Yeah. It's like, I don't have a group of guys I can play with. So when I want to play a tune, I real pro, you just put the chords in and most of them are already done for jazz standards. And it, it makes a backing track. There's a, drum and a bass and a piano or whatever and like you said it's not like playing with real people but if you don't have any other choice it's a lot better than playing alone yes and one tip because i imagine there's a lot of musicians out there at all levels if you don't have this program when we used to get it we would get it with 1500 songs in its jazz standards and as i heard the story that uh publishers threatened to sue the maker of iReal pro even though he didn't have melodies in there chords are not copyrightable but melodies are so he just put the name of the tune into chords and what has happened since is they moved the core the all the songs out of the app so when you get the app and you don't see any songs go in the forums and the first thing you will see are the 1500 songs and you can uh download load that um do you use drum genius david yes i do drum genius is an amazing app to practice with and it has a terrifying icon I hate I hate yes. the icon so much. It's so scary. Yeah. yeah, it's scary. I use I use that every day. I do I use it with students. Uh, it, you know, it's just it's just drum loops that are so well done and rep, and reference CDs and tracks in the jazz world and they have rock. They have all, he has all kinds of grooves. But I imagine the, those two guys, Drum Genius and iReal Pro, I imagine this is a bulk of their yearly income now because everybody has those two apps. Yeah, Drum Genius is like because in when I grew up, we had a play with the metronome, and uh, but you right. know my family, we didn't have a lot of money. I think we got the Sears and Roebuck metronome. It mm-hmm. had a uh, it had a swing to it. It was tick 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 tick. tick ah, tick. that's great. <laughs> you know? So uh, so Drum Genius is I use that as my metronome. So you just you put any drum beat in, you can play on top of it. It keeps you keeps a sense of time. It's a great app. Yeah, it's fabulous because of you. Hazel, which I'm down to one thing and I'm dying to get back into it and do more with it. But because of your course, when all my receipts come in, because uh, everything's online now. So yeah. I get all these receipts every day in the, ma- from, in the mail from Amazon and for what. All I do is I used to have it look in the file. All I do in the beginning of the title, I say office, I say computer, and I drop it in a folder and it's done. And then, thank you, David, Hazel comes through and takes it, puts it in its folder, and puts it with the corresponding year that the file was created. So in 2023, it'll make a 2023 folder, and all files that are that are created in 2023 will go in those folders. So once again, I can't thank you enough for uh, for that. I just got an email from a, a Mac user who had went to work and has to work on a PC, and he, he said, hey, what is Hazel on the PC? I'm like, there is no <laughs> Hazel on the PC. No, that's that too is bad. like one of those great apps that only Mac people get. Yes, yes. 
Logic is for recording. You know, like most of us, I did my 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 solo C CD uh, with just me and Logic. <clears throat> Uh, uh, the amazing slowdowner is important. Now we'll get out of all the music stuff. I think I use Fantastical, which is just the best app for me and keeping track of my dates. Uh, do you doing use all that. Do you use the Fantastical? They've got that new feature now, where you can like set up gigs and send invites to people. Have you figured all that stuff out yet? What you mean, set up gigs like they reference gigs, or is it like set well, up a no, meeting? For you, it would be a gig, for me, it would be a meeting or an appointment. But you can send it out to people and they can choose, like you can send three dates out and they can choose one, and then you put it all together that way. Uh, oh, I have to, I have to look at that, I, I have to check that out. At the uh, on my end, the problem would be uh, th them looking at it and going, What, 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 what is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, not technically minded, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I use Sibelius for notation, um, Visual Studio Code, you know, for all the the amateur coding stuff I do. Udemy is amazing for my classes. Uh, Notion. What, what, is, what is that, Udemy? Udemy, it's like uh, you just get courses there. So the courses, and the thing I learned about Udemy is when you first get there, they show you this course and it's a lot of money, but if you don't buy it and come back a couple of days later, it gets cheap so i don't know if that's okay. what what i saw enough but yeah i i have a, i have about 20 I've, I've gone through about nine or ten and i have 10 more courses that i'm going to do on udemy and with the right teacher they're amazing yeah and and the bulk of what they have seems to be technology focused right like uh learning different programming languages or dealing with different applications i think so i did a thing for jazz improvisation and there was a whole bunch of uh improv courses i didn't check them out but i'm just using the computer stuff and i use linkedin a little bit for that um but these courses seem from what i saw on linkedin these courses are way more in depth and some of them take me like i'm on one now that's i'm i've been on for four months and that's the one on react and just going through it the final cut of course for video uh loopback and audio hijack i use frequently because my cameras and my ATM don't always sync up uh, with audio and video. Um, I use MainStage for could you, when I... Could you describe MainStage a little bit? Because I think a lot of listeners aren't even aware it exists. So MainStage is an app where you can go out and you can put all your sounds that you like in there and you can make up sounds and... Um, you can make up tempos. You can even make put some loops in there and run them. And then you can go out live. And then with foot pedals and with MIDI or with your mouse, you can you can hit sounds and and do them. So if I make a sound for a gig on main stage and it's um, it's a marimba and I have some kind of spacey uh, ringy uh, synthesizer sound on, I make it and name it and I put all those up there. And then when I'm on my gig, I just we're playing this song. I hit that, I hit that sound, and uh, it plays it. So it's a real good way for uh, for digital musicians to organize everything they're doing on a screen. And it's it's really nice. I imagine there's lots of high end uh, keyboard players and other people using uh, MainStage. Yeah, and historically, MainStage was part of the Logic Suite, but that's back when Logic cost like a thousand dollars. You just yeah. get MainStage, 
And right. now uh, you buy it separately from Logic. It's 30 bucks in the App Store. It's made by Apple. Yes. And again, I just want to endorse this one. If you have any sort of MIDI instrument in your life, whether it be a keyboard or vibraphone or saxophone, this is a great app to let you explore with sounds. And you know, the idea, I think, is that you bring it on stage with you and you can easily quickly jump between sounds. But I use it at home, too. I think it's a great app. Yeah, with your um, with your electronic wind instrument, right? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. my Yamaha. Okay, so keep going. Do my list. Yeah, keep going. Affinity Publisher, no no subscription. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Amphetamine, which I use all the time, uh, just because I'm going to be practicing for four hours, and if I turn around and, and practice something for ten minutes, I don't want to have to. Put, do my thumbprint again okay so so that amphetamine is just an app that keeps your screen active it keeps your computer from going to sleep you can click a button so many uses for that like even like if you're doing zoom presentations that's another good yeah. use for it. there's a lot of ways to to want yeah. that up for years my wife and i used an imac for our television and we would have that problem where like you're watching something and then the screensaver comes on and you get locked out so uh-huh. that was my jam for a long time yeah, I heard something that the name wasn't appropriate because it was amphetamine, and I, somewhere I heard that they were gonna have to change the name, or but they didn't. But whatever, it works great. Canva—that's a web app, but my God, for a musician, if you're a musician and you're going into anything other than Canva to make your posters and flyers, Canva is amazing, and I pay for it. I make one poster for Facebook. And then I, I I just hit buttons and say, okay, resize for uh, Instagram, resize for Twitter. Yeah. And I go in and tweak stuff, and I'm done in 20 minutes. It's really cool. Their... Yes. Yeah, I, yes. I recently was helping somebody with a project, and they were using Canva internally. And I, I had, had read about it, but I never had firsthand experience with it. And you can turn out all those different assets quickly, and they all look really good. Like this is far different. Like you're opening Photoshop and you're making 10 different versions of the same thing. Like if you Mm. need to turn through that stuff quickly and you know, you've got other things you should be doing or it's not really your skill set. Like, uh, I definitely backed this up. I was so impressed with it when I, I saw what they were doing with it. It is, it is a really cool tool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Daisy disc. Maybe I heard that from you guys. Yeah. They were a sponsor long time ago, but yeah, it's a good app. Just to see, okay, like what's huge, and you just see you see a big square, and then you look, and it's like a movie that you haven't watched in a bunch of years. So that's yeah. cool because of you guys, fruit juice. Okay, <laughs> um, and it just tells me when to unplug my computer to help my battery. Uh, you guys, keyboard maestro, and then PDF pen. I don't, you know, notability. I use oh, the MPU greatest hits right there. I know it's right here. I use uh, uh, maybe from you guys, MindNode, which I have a huge MindNode of everything I talk about in workshops. It's just gigantic. And now when I go see other people do workshops, I take out MindNode and I put their name on this huge thing. And as they're doing things, I'm making a MindNode of the things they're talking about so I can come back and steal their stuff from my workshops. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, <laughs> iPad and Apple Pencil for you for that sort of input? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, well, it, uh, it's, it's the keyboard. It'll be Apple Pencil for clicking on things, mm-hmm. but I'll type everything. Okay. I'll, I'll type everything in for that. Uh, you guys, uh, this is a big one. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Text Expander. Okay, how, how do you use it? I mean, we I did we have they're actually a sponsor of the show today, but I'm always curious to hear how other people are using it. Okay, so Text Expander, I have uh, when somebody joins my site, I get a notice. I just uh, do a reply and just type comma VW, and it says, what's the person's name? It's the person's name, and it puts this long letter in with tips and tricks for using the site, and I'm done in about, I don't know, nine seconds? And yeah. uh, so and and lots of shortcuts. Vibes Workshop, there's a shortcut. I don't have to think about the date anymore. I, put, I just go comma DD, and the date's there. I use it for... A lot of things, not a ton of things. I could use it for a ton of things, but you, you need the time to kind of sort through it. But that is, whew, that is a time saver. And I guess that's the, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but that's the bottom. Of that's okay, that. Tony. We're good. <laughs> you gave us a lot. Oh, good. I, I bet there's something in there for everyone. Uh, main stage for me is the one, I don't think we've ever mentioned it on the show in our 11 or 12 years of making it and i i really love that that app and i I don't know why it's never come up before but yeah there's some great apps in here and i am so impressed tony with you know kind of the long arc of your career how you kept finding ways you know getting back to that that teenager that said i want to be a jazz musician the fact is you know you're in your 50s and you pulled it off and you're still doing it. And that might mean you have to have a school on the side and a couple other things, but man, you sound great. Well, I appreciate it. And just, you know, the thing vibe players, we always joke around and say, and you know, we say nobody gets a gig and goes, Oh my God, I need a vibe player. They say, Oh my God, I need a bass player. Oh my God, I need a drummer. So we have to be, we have to be good and we have to find ways to get our, uh, our own gigs and make things happen. Yeah, the vibe players and the trombonists are all sitting there saying, when are we going to get the call, right? Uh, yep, yep, yep. So we have to hustle. Well, either way. Uh, so uh, you can find Tony, and we're going to put links for all this stuff in the show notes, but you can find Tony at, is it TonyMaselli.com, I believe is your main website? Um, TonyMaselli.com. That, yeah, I don't keep it up like I should, but there's things There's things that go up there. Yeah, um, and and yeah. that is 1L. So Tony Maselli yes. with one L, mice L I, yeah, and then the you know the big website is vibesworkshop.com. You can go check that out as well. I'm sure we got some vibe players in our audience. I'll be shocked if we don't. Maybe we have some uh, that are already your members. Who knows? Uh, but, um, if if they do, can I just say just email me and say hello? I'm always curious. You know who's who's where, who's doing what. So. Yeah, and uh, I just love the way you've used technology to allow you to keep doing your art, and that that to me is uh, is magic, man. So, so thank you for giving us your time today and coming in, Tony. Keep us posted, and um, and all you MPU listeners, go out there, go on Apple Music, and and listen to some of Tony's music. He's he's really really a talented musician. I appreciate it. It was an honor to be here today. All right, uh, we are the. Mac Power users, you can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. We want to thank our sponsors today, 1Password, Text Expander, Indeed, and ZocDoc. And we'll see you next time.